Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Higher Ground with Chris Warren. Good evening, folks. Welcome to Higher Ground, your late night sports bar. It is Melbourne Cup Eve on Monday, the 1st of November. Let's get down, let's get down to business. Give you one more night, one more night to get this. We've had a million, million nights just like this. Let's get down, let's get down to business Let's get down, let's get down to business Give you one more night, one more night to get this We've had a million, million nights just like this Yeah, come on up, come on up and join us. Pull up a stool, get comfortable, grab yourself a drink and join the conversation. There is some space on the open line right now. In fact, if you uh, would like to uh, have a chat, uh, you should know the number by now. 1300 01 1170 or you can drop us a text here. uh, Maybe spark some of our our talk topics tonight. Here's your chance to set the agenda. The text line 0457 736 736. All right, here's one topic. Do we want the raging favourite incentivised to win the Melbourne Cup tomorrow or not? Do we or not? I mean, I don't think I've seen uh, a race quite like it where so many people are prepared to not get on the favourite. They don't want the favourite to win because it's just too short. How can you possibly throw your hard-earned cash after something that's paying $2.50 or $2.60 or whatever in a race of 24? You want to go for a bit of value, don't you? I guess that's what most people are are doing. Um, Well, a a person very close to me who um, has uh, been betting for many, many decades always has told me a short price winner is far better than a long price loser. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you want the favourite to get beaten tomorrow incentivised? Let me know what you think. And who might be uh, some of the roughies, the outsiders, at juicier odds that might knock incentivize off uh, his perch? I'll, I'll come up with a few of myself um, a little bit later on. We will preview uh, the race that stops the nation. Or as one headline today, I see reads the, the chase that stops the nation, i.e. inferring that it will be incentivize and distance to the field. I see the likes of the great Jimmy Cassidy and and others, including um, two-time cup-winning jockey Corey Brown. They're pretty much declaring the favourite. But I must say, the one race that I am more reluctant than ever to back the favourite is the Melbourne Cup. And history over the years backs that up. Um, What have we had, about 160 years of of Melbourne Cups? The favourite has won, I think, just 32 times. So a little bit worse than one in five. Anyway, as a a hack punter myself, I guess I can call myself that. I only blow in for the spring carnival most years. Um, Then I spend the other nine months of the year repaying the debt. But I have narrowed it down 
uh, to about half a dozen runners who might just be able to knock off the shortest price favourite in, what, 90 years or more. So um, I'll let you in on my formula a little bit later on. Don't hold me to it, though, please. Now, uh, it is official. It's open season in the NRL player market. I see Cody Walker has signed on for a further year at South Sydney, meaning that uh, he won't be in the Dolphins' inaugural team in 2023, as some thought might have happened. Um, A shrewd move, in my opinion, by Souths, and probably by Cody, too. He's not getting any younger, but just a short-term deal. Um, what about after 2023? We know how much Wayne Bennett loves Cody Walker, don't we? It would not surprise me to see Cody in Dolphins colours in the not-too-distant future. Uh, there's about, oh, I don't know, $10 million or more worth of talent on the open market right now, all free to negotiate with rival clubs for the 2023 season. So that's um, more than 150 players, I think, off contract at the end of next season. And for them, it is open game. Some of the big names like Brandon Smith, Viliami Kikau, Joey Manu, Api Corusau, Reed Marnie, Clint Gutherson, Junior Paulo, and so many more, uh, all free to sign with rival clubs if they choose. We'll talk more about that. And uh, you might too like to pick up the phone and have a chat as well. Um, who would you like to attract to your club? Or who would you like to see removed from your club's playing roster? You might have some thoughts on that. And uh, while the Aussie cricket team is still licking its wounds after their huge loss to England at the T20 World Cup, I ask the question, are we good enough to make the semis? And if we do make the semis, the last four teams standing, are we just making up the numbers? I tell you what, on yesterday's uh, Sports Central program, there were quite a few of you sending me a text saying just that. Forget about it. Even if we do make the semis, we are just making up the numbers. We've got to win our next two games. I'll go through the uh, the permutations, if that's the right word. Um, even if we do win our next two games against uh, Bangladesh and then West Indies, we're still not guaranteed, you know, to make it through to the semis. Because South Africa, I think, if they win their next two games, and one of them is against England, but if they were to win them, uh, they do have a much better net run rate, I believe. That's what the damage has, has been like, what England did to us over the weekend. Not looking good. Um, at all. So we'll go through all that. We'll talk cricket. We'll talk racing. We'll talk football. We'll talk a bit of NFL as well. The quarterback said that he'll jump on the line a bit later on. And at the back hour of the show, uh, we'll do our rewind where we go uh, through all the uh, the programs across this great station over the past uh, 24 hours or so. And we'll pick out the best bits of the day and uh, relive them or replay them to you because, uh, well, some of you do listen to the show 24-7. Some of you um, don't get any sleep, it would seem. But it is great to have your company here tonight. This is Higher Ground with me, Chris Warren. Yeah, come on up, come on up and uh, join us up here. There's uh, there's space at the bar and uh, the bar is officially open. I'm not quite sure how much we've got, what sort of stock we've got left because we opened it yesterday uh, when the uh, sun was over the yard arm at midday. Uh, here in the uh, North Sydney SEN 1170 studio. We opened the bar early yesterday. We gave away a, a couple of drinks, a couple of vouchers. Um, Hutchie's been really good. And with Spring Carnival, particularly Spring Carnival, Hutchie's been more generous than ever. Uh, so, again, he has given out um, he's given out a few vouchers uh, for our live studio audience tonight. So we're just going to use them sparingly. He just said use them sparingly. 
and uh, do drink responsibly up there. I mean, you can be drinking soft drink as well, but even whatever you're drinking, um, do drink responsibly. Melbourne Cup Eve, Melbourne Cup Eve. And I know that, you know, we've had such a focus, haven't we, on the Spring Racing Carnival in Sydney over recent years with the advent um, of the Everest and then the Golden Eagle and other big races and so much money uh, being attracted to big races in the city. Does it take the gloss off the Melbourne Cup? Well, you know what? And I read an article today. I don't know who it was by. I saw it in the Daily Telegraph. Um, I'll tell you who it was. It was Buzz Rothfield. I haven't got it in front of me. One of his uh, one of his moments was, um, or Sinner or something he doesn't like, that the Melbourne Cup is gone. It's not what it used to be. No one talks about it anymore. No, no, no. I, I totally disagree. Totally disagree. It, it's... Uh, you know, we did a quiz the other night, and my for an iconic sporting um, or an Aussie sporting icon, the Melbourne Cup. You know, and and I was reading an article today. Gay Waterhouse, she's got a couple of runners in the the race that stops the nation tomorrow. One of them, I think, is actually a decent chance mm-hmm. at, at juicy odds. We'll talk about it a bit later. But she said, look, even though she's won a stack of you know, um, stack of other Group Ones, you know, and and particularly. Uh, more sprint races as well. Mm. And she's won Melbourne Cup too. But winning with Fiorente, she said that was just unbelievable. Like, you know, golden slippers galore, but nothing like a Melbourne Cup. And even though the prize money might not be the same as the Everest and and might only be on par with uh, the Golden Eagle from last week, it's just the prestige factor, isn't it? And, um, you know, it probably has been taken over by foreign invaders in recent years. Not so much this year. Not so much this year. There's only a handful of them, three or four of them, actually, that I think are trained overseas. Quite a few, if we call them imports, that are overseas horses, but now um, are here and trained on our mm. shores. But I, I think, uh, I think the Melbourne Cup will always just be an iconic sporting event. Forget that the athletes have got four legs, equine, and the jockeys have got two, obviously. But you know, any any sport, Melbourne Cup. It's just unique, isn't it? And it it brings it brings out the mums and the dads and uh, and and everyone doesn't normally follow racing. They all want to have a little flutter, and even you know my kids like. And yes, I know it's probably irresponsible, but my mum and dad always let me add a little flutter on the Melbourne Cup, and we always had the uh, the sweepstakes, didn't we? In class, I and mean, we used to watch the the race. I remember, in, in probably first grade or second grade. Talk about Australians having gambling problems. I remember in primary school, clearly sitting there watching the Melbourne Cup. The whole school would shut down. Hang on. It's three o'clock. Let's mm. watch the Melbourne Cup. And we all did sweepstakes, didn't we? Uh, Mad Russian is with me. There's uh, easy sort of nodding over there on the other side. It's part of our psyche. You know? That's what. Yeah. And you might get the, the naysayers saying, oh, come on. You can't be teaching kids to be gambling and following horse racing at such a tender age. Oh, get off. Come on. It's a bit of fun, isn't it? It's a bit of fun. Um, you know, I, I don't think that really has, um, has anything to do to the, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the problems that we've got today with, with you know, betting in society. I, I don't think you can trace it back to uh, little kids being watching the Melbourne Cup in, in year two. Or can you? Can you? Maybe, maybe that is a problem. Um, they don't do it these days, though. I, don't, I know my kids uh, certainly won't be watching it at, at a primary school, and they're just at a general, you know, government school. I, I don't know what the what the general thing is these days. Probably oh, not. I'm only recently out of school. Yeah, probably not. So last few years of high school, we were able to scramble onto TV screens and you know, persuade teachers who 
we knew were keen to be watching it anyway. Yeah. So last few years of high school, you were probably teachers' pet. Yeah. Oh, ish one of. I I knew how to. uh, Yeah, I like to. uh, Give myself all the advantages I could, absolutely. Yeah, um, as you should, as one should. That's right. I just thought yes. that was smart. You greased the palm, <laughs> um, but we knew we knew which teachers were look, right I'm not, for the picking in yes. terms of the Melbourne Cup. Well, yes, and which the ones, ones you, were the ones yes. that we're going to put it on. And yes, have a bit for, of fun with uh, for example, for example, you, you're saying now you knew which teachers were right for the picking, i.e., that you could sort of, hey, sir or miss. You know, it's I know you, yeah, don't, yeah. you don't mind a punt at the weekends. In fact, I've seen your car outside the local TAB. Well, by the time we're in year 12, seen you at the pub. Yes. Well, here's one for you. So, all right, I won't name my school, nor mm. will I name my economics teacher. I did three unit economics. Oh, economics, yeah. Yes. There you go. Yes. He is now, um, I think, Australia's biggest bookmaker. Well, and I won't go. reveal where. Okay. Well, there you go. That's pretty... So, I was in year 11. Mm. Okay, so, let, okay, I'll throw my cards on the table yeah. here, right? That's what we're here so for, So, my Bruce. family's got quite a link to racing and all that. Really? And I spent a lot of time oh, yeah. on tracks as a kid. All right? I spent a lot of time coming home from tracks in a car as a kid with a dad that might have done his backside. You know? And it's a pretty silent journey home. Perhaps gamble. But I've oh, also... Never I have also that. been at home when... Uh, uh, Rabs or yes had had a decent win or a day out, mm. and uh, my job as a oh I don't know a ten year old I might have been was to count it. <laughs> it's thrown on the <laughs> throw it on my bed. There you go, son. Count the cash. Uh, but you know, probably the wins were few and far between. Mm. Uh, but highs and lows of of, of that, you know. That's and funny. again, yeah, okay. So my dad is a gambler. He's followed horses all his all his life. I think since his father introduced him to the sport as maybe a, a six-year-old. Um, but the, the message is, look, gamble responsibly and don't ever, don't ever chase mm. uh, good money or throw good money after bad, I think mm. is the, what you need to say. And don't bet beyond your means. Yes. But, you know, uh, where was I? So anyway, um, my economics teacher is yes. now like, hello, today, not just a, a bookie, bookie. I'm telling you, he's probably one of the biggest bookmakers, if not, in this country. He was my economics teacher, and I'm not giving away names. So year 11, so this would have been 1987, and I won't even say my school, Mm. although people can Google. Um, So I said to my father, do we have, uh, I'd love one of those uh, bookies bags, you know, the white bookies bags down at the ring? Because these days, there's not many bookies on the ring. No, left on track. No. Anyway, so we got one of those, and I won't reveal who's which bookmaker's bag it was. Well, I won as well. It was Colin Tidy's bag. Is that so right? Colin Tidy. So I had his bag, his leather bag, and I went to school, and with the nod and the wink with the economics teacher, um, gee, I hope we can't be like getting trouble retrospectively for things that have gone on back in 1987. Well, as long as no one's listening, water and under we're the just bridge. Talking, but there's, there's no a lot of people listening. listening. Toolman's listening. Reptiles listening. Steve from Padstow's listening. There's loads listening. In, in 1987, so economics teacher said, no worries. Mm. So I ran the book at lunchtime, <laughs> at recess and lunchtime on the balcony mm. outside the economics class. I had the list of runners, my own prices, and a proper bookies rolling in the knobs. Can you remember what the hold was? 
Well, there was cream on top. <laughs> there was cream on top. <laughs> I.e., like I didn't know about the percentages of I hope of, these how practices aren't being taken on no, in his current they, job. As if they... No, 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 no. But as if they... No, that, that was me. Oh, you were taking no, the cream off. To, he had nothing to do with it. Oh. He just gave me the permission... Oh, to I do it. Mind run because normally you have the sweepstakes, and we mm. all had the sweepstakes, and you know, um, draw a horse. But I wanted to go beyond that yeah. uh, and actually run a little book. So we did, and um, my economics teacher didn't have a problem with it, and I, 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 I came home winning as the bookmaker. Well, they tend to. Yes, they do tend <laughs> to drive very, very nice cars, don't they? Very nice cars. Can you imagine? Are you in the wrong? Like you're in the wrong profession, Chris. Can you imagine? Oh, can you imagine something like that happening today? In this, uh, yeah, no. My God, hasn't no. things changed? Oh. To answer your question, Toolman Tim, the Toolman, uh, he says, "G'day, why did I hear today Joey Manu rejected a million a season from the Warriors? Have you heard that? That's been reported today. Absolutely, that Joey Manu's going to stick tight, yeah. stick solid. Well, I didn't think they the let him Eastern go. Suburbs roosters, and I wonder how much sort of um, you know the language of love. Um, what sort of? Well, what if did he's the turned, roosters, what did the roosters I, do? I can't Im- I imagine this story was run because the roosters would not be offering Joseph no. Manu a million dollars a year, and no. I think that's probably a bit overs as much a fan of Joey as I am, mm. and I know you are. Mm. Would you give him a million? You wouldn't give him a million if you're top no, up. No, centers these days aren't getting a million, no. but if he went there, he'd probably. Uh, well, uh, no, I don't know. That's one place they're one. not. He probably wears six. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, I, do you want to win premierships? I think you're, you're darn yeah. sight more chance of winning a premiership st- sticking with the Roosters, I think, than venturing across the Tasman. To answer your other question, uh, Tim, the tool man, um, are the Bundys on? Well, yes, my friend, there are Bundys and whatever you need. They are here. All right, you get two vouchers only, two vouchers only. So, uh, do drink. I tell you what, what about this program? It is past nine o'clock, though. Mm. We're talking gambling. We're talking illegal gambling and illegal bookmaking by an underage 17-year-old at a boys' Catholic school, which went unchecked. Are we talking about... No, it went It went endorsed. Endorsed. <laughs> yes, it went endorsed. Um, and we're talking about, um, well, drinking, that's all right. Just drink responsibly. Drink responsibly. Uh, now, other texts. Keep those texts coming in, by the way. 0457 736 736. We've got loads to talk about, obviously, with the Melbourne Cup. Um, not that far away. I'll go through. I've come up with my own little system, right? I've tried to narrow the field down. Mm. But I guess the big question is, can any anyone, anything, any horse beat this uh, raging hot favourite incentivise? So let's assume that a incentivise doesn't win. Right, I've come up with about a half a dozen, and we can throw the rest of the field away. All right, is that right? Yes, that's right. We'll go through oh, a bit I'm very later. On. To that. We'll go through that a bit later on. Now, uh, rugby league wise, we'll talk a bit about the you know, who's going where and for how much as well. You might have some uh, scoops or some questions you might like to ask us. You can do that. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number. It is a late night show. The late night sports bar is open. What is that you're watching? Oh, you're not back on. What's that? I can't even change the channel anymore. What is it? Oh, That's, it's your favourite show. By the pool. What's it called? Love Island. Oh my lord! I'm not even. Not I'm even sure Dan didn't that. have this on the last couple of weeks on a Monday. 
No, he didn't. He oh, had live funny. sport on or something. No. You watch that, but pay attention here. Uh, we're going to talk some cricket as well. Let's talk some cricket now. I mean, it feels a little bit outdated, but everyone's talking about it again today. And we spoke at length about it yesterday because we woke up, or I woke up, mm. on Sunday morning knowing I came in here to do uh, the Sports Central program from, from midday through the afternoon. Uh, woke up to headlines, no way in the world. We were absolutely towed up by England. Absolutely pummeled by them. And uh, they won with about eight overs to spare. Our top order just crumbled. No one got any runs. Um, I, th- I think, what was the story? Four of our five top batsmen between them scored eight runs. Mm. Um, Steve Smith plotted a lot. Of, no, Aaron Finch, was it? Got, got some runs. But 44. Steve Smith failed yeah. again. Uh, David Warner failed again. Um, but more to the point is so many of our great cricketers of yesteryear are, are all slamming the selection panel and, and the selections or the non-selections of the likes of Mitch Marsh, who's been in great form, a T20 specialist, really. Um, and the selection of Glenn Maxwell up top of the order, sending him in with a, you know, um, sort of a newish type ball. That's not his go. And, and I bow to the opinions of, of these, the great cricketers that have, um, you know, Worn the baggy green many, many times, like Shane Warne. Whether you like Shane or you don't like him, you just have to listen to what he's had to say. He had his own opinions. Let's let's listen to uh, what Warney had to say on Marsh and also on Steve Smith, who he doesn't think uh, belongs in the T20 side. But for me, Mitch Marsh has to play, and that's why I don't believe Steve Smith, as much as we love him, he's fantastic, he's awesome. I don't think he's ever... Uh, nailed T20. He can't even make it in the, in uh, four overseas players in IPL. He doesn't make it in any of those teams. Uh, his record's not great at IP at 20 T20. We've seen England, Pakistan, and India to a certain extent. How you have to play T20 cricket, and I think the 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 guy, the player there, just a, everyone can bat around. He's gone. Those days are gone of T20 with the big bats and small boundaries. Even though some of these grounds are bigger. You've got to start bashing it. You just have to bash it and get into beast mode. And we've got one in Mitch Marsh. I'd say he's one of our best T20 players. I just don't understand how he can't play. Uh, so for me, he has to play and bat in the power play and take advantage of only two players out. Yeah, that was uh, Shane Warne uh, speaking on Channel 9. Doesn't hold back, doesn't mince his words. And he's saying uh, Mitch, Marsty, Mitch Marsh rather, he goes into beast mode. I like that description, beast mode. So, but plenty of other cricketers have had their opinions too on what is going wrong. And not just with the performance against England over the weekend, but you know, in general, is T20 cricket really a priority in, for our, our nation, for mm. our country? Well, it needs to be because whether you like T20 cricket or not, and I'll be honest, right? It's, I, I don't particularly like it. There you go. I'm more That's of a purist, enough. right? Yep. Well, I don't say I dislike it. I love cricket, full stop, right? Mm. I love cricket, but... I would much rather watch a one-day match than mm. a T20 match. Okay. Um, and I love test cricket too. Mm. T20, it's it's the fast food, isn't it? Yeah. It's the quick fix. But that's the way of the world. We're looking for that in all walks of life, aren't we? A quicker way to do things maybe more effectively, more efficiently. Um, because we're poor for time. Well, I find it interesting that's your opinion, Chris. And I'm the same, by the way. But I feel like that's a very Australian attitude, even amongst my generation, mm. who T20 cricket's meant to be for. Mm. But in countries where it has taken off, the subcontinent, India, yeah. Sri Lanka, England, yep. it's super, super popular. Well, you know what? So, and, and perhaps even say, the generation I, below me. So perhaps it's an attitude thing we have as Australians that we need to change. 
Maybe so. Maybe or so. Maybe but we won't. It's got such a strong following worldwide. Yes, you're, you're right. The subcontinent and, and India, like, but and and the UK. Mm. In fact, I reckon it was it actually invented in England. I was over there when it mm. started. I'm telling you, I was living yeah, there, yeah. and I reckon it was invented over there, and it caught on. Mm. But you're right. It, it maybe is not in in our psyche. Big Bash is successful, moderately successful. You know, uh, but what what it is, what it does well is, I think, brings in. Um, it does bring in younger people yeah. to the game because a, a lot of people might well, can't sit it, there and watch a five days of cricket or a whole uh, six or eight hours of cricket. Well, that's the other thing. It actually gives them the opportunity, more opportunities to go because those test matches, you think about it, most cities have one test match every year, right? So Sydney gets one test match. That's five days, and most of the time it's not five days mm. because we're knocking over teams in three, four it's only when India and England come out here, we know we're going to get five good competitive days of test cricket. Mm. And with one test match spread amongst all the venues and then an odd ODI here and there, the the big bash is really crucial to keep mm. people coming to cricket when they're not going to test matches so that they're not just getting that one mm. hit of live cricket a year, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so so this might go – we might drill down a bit deeper into this, and it might that. not just to be about, you know, the Aussie cricket team at the moment. It might be a lot deeper than that. It might be the fact that we need to readdress, readdress how we, we approach T20 cricket as a whole. Uh, and there are a lot of people, a lot of people that know a lot more about cricket than mm. me that, that believe it needs a, a bit of a, a – a revamp because mm. we're not paying it um, the time and putting the resources into it that it deserves. I.e., we're just trying to cram our best cricketers, our best test team or one-day team and, and well, make them T20 cricketers. But mm. it's a totally different game, isn't it? And the more I hear uh, more experienced people talking about it like mm. that, the more I agree it is a totally different game. And, and, and there is, is a, probably a lot more strategy involved, actually, uh, isn't there, than, than yeah. even maybe test cricket. Mm. Um uh, great all-rounder too, Shane Watson. He's had his thoughts too on the Australian team, and I haven't listened to this. It may well be about the performance against England, or it might be um, about our performance across the board. And this, for me, with Australian T20 cricket, is just don't play together. This team and the combinations don't play together at all consistently. When you're playing against a team that does have that combination playing all the time, just never playing as a group and expecting to be able to turn things on against world-class teams. And this is where England combinations, they're very settled, exposing the Aussies. I guess the question is, why don't they play more together as a group? That's a question that I've been asking for the last 10 or 12 years. It doesn't make sense. The only way you're going to play really well as a team is playing together, like England have been doing, like India do. And when you come up against a team that have got every base covered like England, that's when teams do get exposed. The little chinks, the little, little holes in the teams get very exposed. And this is... Australia's been very exposed tonight. Yeah, indeed. Exposed. Uh, some might say you had your pants pulled down. That's, that's exposure for you. 
Um, yes, we will talk a whole lot more cricket. Uh, we're here until midnight, and you can uh, join the conversation as well. Me and the Mad Russian here on higher ground. I'll get to your texts in a moment, but thanks for sending them through. Steve from Padstow, Tim the Toolman. There's another one there, and Bondi Jack's also been in touch. You too can send us a text message, uh, 0457 736 736. Simple as that. Can be about Melbourne Cup, can be about cricket, can be about rugby league. We'll talk rugby league next. Yes, it is higher ground with me, Chris Warren. We're here until uh, midnight, so uh, settle in. Um, pull a chair up, pull up a chair up at the late night sports bar. Uh, we're a live studio audience, uh, COVID approved, of course, and uh, those guys are enjoying all the hospitality that our, our good friend, our boss, Hutchie, has, has had to offer again. So um, it's good to see the live. I tell you what, these, these 20 seats fill up quickly, don't they? Each and every night now, there's banging on the door first to get in. Well, it just shows the, the growth of the show. Yes. Yeah, I like the it. The people are like keen it. to come. Uh, and we're I happy like to have well, well, so we're already filling this, the studio up like very quickly, mm-hmm. selling out the tickets. Yeah. I still can't get any pizzas being delivered, and they're not happy about that. I mean, I have, I've asked Hutchie <laughs> many times, but he still will not deliver the pizzas. He said, Chris, I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. He said, I'll do you a deal. You get on board a pizza sponsor for the SEN network, i.e. national sponsor, and we can do a bit of contra. So the, mm. these guys can have a, have a bit of food in their belly because it's irresponsible for us to keep giving out the drinks and then and still t- taking the food away from them. So, yeah, well, the, I mean, they are not happy about it. But if Hutchie wants me to get a sponsor, I'll do my best. Does that's have to be your pizza? area of expertise. Oh, we'll come up with something, surely. <laughs> Rugby league-wise, let's talk some... Yep. Stop, can you stop talking nonsense for a moment and let me talk some footy, okay? So we know that today, what is it, 1st of November, right? So there's about 150 players ready to rock and roll. Mm. Wheel and deal. On the open market, pretty much, because they are contracted, those that come off contract at the end of next season, are now free agents, pretty much, to mm-hmm. sign for anyone, including their own club, in 2023. And there's... There's loads of, of big names out there. Um, we'll go through some of those that are available. You might have your, your thoughts there at home. I mean, what players would you target? Assuming you've got the, the cash in your cap, what players would you like to bring to your club? And we'll go through a few of the players that, that are off contract. Um, and we've already spoken about a couple of them, like Joey Manu, who mm. Tim the Toolman was, was saying earlier, uh, has turned down a... $1 million offer, we believe, to go to the Warriors to remain um, at Bondi. Uh, we'll go through a few of these texts, in fact. Uh, Steve from Padstow has, has sent one through. And good evening to you, Steve. He's a regular listener to the show. I thought I'd never say this, he says, but I hope Adam Reynolds gives it to South Sydney in the first round. So that is earmarked the official 2022 draw we believe will come out at the end of this week, maybe on mm. Friday. And uh, if you're reading today's paper, that'll be, I think, uh, the opening game of the season, was it? Could uh, be. I think it is. I read the paper today. Um, Brisbane against South Sydney. I think that was going to be, uh, if not the opening game of the season, certainly in the opening round. Yeah, it's just hard to see. To, to visualise Adam Reynolds up against yeah. the green and red, it's it's, it's going to feel really, really weird. Mm. Uh, but you know what, Steve? I, I'm with you. I know exactly what you're saying. Uh, I, I was very loud on that. I cannot believe they let him go. Cannot believe they let him go because they'd only offer him a one-year deal. Mm. 
but he's he's really cashed so in up there. So isn't that interesting that Cody's settled for that? He's one settled year? for the one-year extension. How old Cody then? Well, How so old's Cody's 30, 33, I think, 33, this year. 34. Yeah, well, I, I, and I said that earlier. I think I... I I think it's quite sensible for, for Cody. Um, I don't know. I I don't. I think it will be very possible to see Cody Walker playing with Wayne Bennett at the Dolphins. Yeah. So in sorry. Twenty four. He'll, he'll be thirty three when he finishes that contract. Okay. In twenty twenty three. Still with it. Still with a year or two. That's right. As a, as a playmaker, yeah. I would not surprise me. We know how much Wayne Bennett loves Cody Walker. If he does end up at the Dolphins, so. Um, or he, he may sign another another short-term deal mm. with South Sydney. Uh, Tim the Tillman, uh, Rabbi would have been so proud of you acting bookie at the school. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. I don't think proud is the right <laughs> word there. <clears throat> Tim, um, he uh, he wouldn't have, he didn't have a problem with it. If he did have a problem with it, um, he wouldn't have helped me procure um, one of the bag. leading Australian bookmakers' white leather bag. Mm. So he must have can't remember. I was only 17. Oh, you know, you can't be a bookmaker, can you, at 17? Uh, no. Can't you can the next books. year, though. Can't take bets at 17. Oh, maybe it was 18. Maybe it was 1988. Um, yeah, the good old days. Bring them back here. Right? I mean, they, imagine that just would not happen. That sort of stuff would not happen these days. Uh, Chrissy and Mad Russian. Uh, this is from Bondi Jack. And good evening to you, Bondi Jack. Uh, Re Buzz Rothfield's poll on the naming of the stands at the new Sydney football stadium. Why on earth would 42% of Daily Telegraph readers vote for an Artie Beetson stand, a Queensland icon, when the SFS is a New South Wales origin fortress? Um, surely the stands must honour Davy Brown, the most prolific uh, rooster, and uh, Jack Gibson, our spiritual leader, Bondi Jack. Well, you're going back. Uh, you're going back some time there, Bondi Jack, aren't you? Um, well, you know, uh, I, I get what you're saying there too. But Artie's had a very big, very big part, hasn't he? Not in, in the Roosters in club. In the Roosters, that's um, right. And when you're saying that the SFS is a an Origin fortress, well, uh, I don't know that Origins will necessarily even be played there. That's will right. they? I mean, what's the capacity of this new one? Maybe the first be? year, but it's only fifty thousand. It's yeah, not that no, bigger an upgrade. No, it, so. it, it won't be the. It'll be A and Z until they knock that over. Yeah, last I thought they were pouring more oh, money Stadium into Australia. Stadium Australia. Oh, yeah, well, don't, yes. Yeah, uh, but I get what you're saying there. I get what you're saying there in part. I don't know, you might have your thoughts at home. What should that uh, one of the, the four stands, if you like, at the new Sydney Football Stadium be called? Also, just on that too, was I right in saying that it's ready at the end of next year? So the first event there at the new stadium will be in what round 25 of next year's season. Doesn't that sound a bit odd to open up a new venue in like the final round of your season? Do you know why I think I've done this? Well, I know. I was, why? Because Sydney FC were very keen to be the first, the first right. game in the new stadium. Yes. The football, uh, the soccer team. Yeah. But I think Volandis has got in there and said, no, no, no. Listen, we're going to be the first game in that stadium. We're right. the dominant coach yeah. in Sydney. And so I think he's had a little, yeah, I think he's had a little word to the SCG Trust and just said, hey, I reckon B- it might be a good idea that we play the first game, not the soccer. 
Yes, uh, SCG Trust, uh, BTWPVL uh, talking yes. here. Uh, it'll be us, not them. You're listening to Higher Ground. Uh, keep those texts coming, 0457 736 736. If you want to pick up the dog and bone and give us an SG ball, uh, you can do that. Well, to do that, you'll have to get off your pain hearse. It's 1300 01 1170. Well, welcome back to Higher Ground uh, on the eve of uh, Melbourne Cup. Um, and while I guess a lot of eyes are on the big race that stops the nation tomorrow, plenty of eyes at the moment are on the Australian cricket team. A woeful performance. Let's uh, let's call it what it is against England over the weekend. And now at the T20 World Cup, well, it's no sure thing we will make it through to the semifinals. In fact, um, if we don't win our next two games... There's a good chance we will be bundled out. Joining us uh, now is Sam Hargreaves uh, to talk all things cricket. Um, and Sam, you watched it, didn't you? You watched it all unfold on SEN. Um, you join us now. Thanks for joining us, Sam, and taking a bit of time out of out of your uh, evening. Um, your immediate thoughts after the way that England defeated us so easily, it must have come as a, somewhat of a surprise. Yeah, it did, Chris, and thanks for having me, mate. Myself and Darren Berry called the game for, for SEN, and, and he was he, his exact words were, very rarely am I lost for words. Mm. And that's, I think, the sentiment that we were both feeling and the people that were texting us through during the course of the night, that this was a performance that you normally see when a, an established test-playing nation takes on a minnow. This was what you'd expect to see, you know, England or Australia do to, to, to maybe a Scotland or an Ireland or a Namibia. Um, not what you'd expect from the oldest rivals in cricket, not what you'd expect from an Australian side who are hosting this tournament next year. Um, it was as comprehensive a debacle as I think I can remember seeing in cricket. Um, and there's a whole lot of questions that have been thrown up off the back of it. It was didn't pot a ball, pants down, lap of the table stuff, mate. <laughs> I mean, it comes after such a promising start to the tournament too. Let, let's play a bit of what, uh, what Chuck Berry uh, had to say during commentary, firstly. I'm very rarely lost for words, Sam, and I'm, it's t- I'm tired, but I'm, I'm flat at what I've witnessed tonight from an Australian perspective. Never had enough. We tried our best at the halfway to talk it up. They not only didn't have enough, they've got them, am I correct, Sam, in 11.4 overs? 11.4 overs. Yep. England have won two wickets down. Please don't sweep this under the carpet and say, oh, well, it's just a one-off performance. It's it's actually time to have a serious look at the strategy and tactics of our T20 side. Well, there he is, uh, Darren Berry, and he was with you. Uh, Sammy Hargreaves um, calling that match in the early hours, our time of, of what Sunday morning it was, and uh, we all woke up. Mm. Not, and not many of us watched it, I don't think, live. Uh, we woke up to the headlines and the highlights and we thought, my goodness, really? Clean the sleep from our eyes and have another look at that. But, yeah, absolutely towed up. Where to now, then? What needs to change? Um, and what was more worrying, the, the bowling or the batting? Oh, look, both in equal measure. Um, certainly there's more concern with the batting than there probably is the bowling. Uh, Josh Butler took a hold of our two best bowlers in Adam Zamper and Mitch Stark, who have been our two best bowlers in this format through history. Adam Zamper's taken more wickets for Australia in this format than anyone, and Mitch Stark is second to him. But you, you, are, you said before about the promising early performances and then what needs to change. We, we've probably been a bit seduced by the early performances. The, the win against South Africa, I think, and Chuck Berry thought, raised more questions than it did answers. Uh, and then the win against Sri Lanka, they contributed just as much to their own downfall as Australia did. So we might have been sucked in a little. 
by what we saw in those two games, this is a true indication probably of where we are at. And, and, and it's interesting, Chris, in our job, very rarely, and then one of the greatest things about sport, and we work in talkback radio, which is a beautiful way to capture this, you and I can both sit and look at the same thing and we can both have a completely different view on it because in the eye of the beholder, it sits with things in sport. When you listen to every single cricketing expert and every single cricketing legend mm. who over the last 48 hours has spoken about this, whether it be Shane Warne, Damien Fleming, Darren Berry, um, uh, Adam Gilchrist, Ian Chappell, mm. every single one of them is saying the same thing. We're not picking the right side. The side we are picking, we're not batting in the right position. And tactically, we seem a long way behind the rest of the competitive nations in the way in which we execute during the game. So I'll, I'll always side with the experts when they're overwhelmingly in agreement, which you don't ever see in sport, mm. but they're all saying the same thing. Mm. I heard Ian Healy actually tonight as well on our station saying, you know, reinforcing those thoughts of, of Darren Berry and Shane Watson and, and Shane Warne. Um, things need to change. Is this the catalyst you think um, that we need to, to change the way we maybe approach T20 cricket? Maybe we've fallen behind. Yeah. It, well, we have. We absolutely have. And, and because we don't give it a priority, first and foremost, we try and shoehorn a test side into mm. a T20 side. And the great comparison of this, the great analogy is this. You're in Sydney, I'm in Melbourne. So in Sydney and, and, in, and in rugby league, they pick the Dalian team of the year, Chris, and they pick the best player in their position, no equivocations, Bad luck if you miss out. You're the best player in your best position in the team of the year. In the AFL All-Australian side, the selectors for many years have shoehorned midfielders into any position they can to fit the best players in, even though they might not ever play in that position during the course of the year. Yeah. That's exactly what Australian selectors are doing. We've got Wade and Stoinis batting down the order who open in big bash cricket. They put Steve Smith in at first drop when he's actually been making runs batting at four and guiding the innings through in the middle order. They had Maxwell coming on to face a new ball, which is not what he does. You know, Smith and Warner have been selected with no form coming into mm. this World Cup. Um, we took, it took us till the third game to play two spinners on spinning decks, yet we only introduced them to the last two overs of the power play. So it's selection, it's position, and it's also the tactics. And the smart judges, Chris, will tell you that T20 cricket is more tactical than any type of cricket. If you're a naysayer on the format, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it's not going anywhere. Behind women in cricket, it's the biggest growth area of the game. Mm. That's why the IPL has just spent billions on two new franchises. And it takes a specific skill set to play in specific positions, whereas we're trying to manufacture players to play in those specialist positions and not looking at the matchups coming in with the bowlers that we're facing or, or vice versa. So, again, everything I'm saying, Chris, is, is basically a... a, a, redu a a recycling of what those experts are saying, but I couldn't agree more with them. And it stands out like the proverbial um, mm. canine, you know what? Mm. Mm. It's, it's a bit like you, you can't put the square peg in the round hole or whatever that saying is. And um, Absolutely. You, 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 you touched on a few problems there, Sammy, didn't you? But And, and one you didn't even mention was the, the non-selection of Mitch Marsh. Yeah, so that's a fascinating one. So he's been the form T20 player, I think, over his last 12 he was the the only player that really performed in the debacle series as against uh, West Indies and Bangladesh, which we lost 4-1 in both of those. But he was actually averaging close to 40, had four scores over 50, and was actually taking wickets again. Mm. But but they, they've dropped him um, to shuffle around in order to get the spinner in, and it just didn't seem to be like the right call. So it's, it is quite confusing that we're picking 
players that might not be informed, but but they've got the name and they've got the reputation and they've got the history. And Dave Warner certainly has been the most successful Australian player in T20. Steve Smith, Shane Warne says, with all due respect, and you are our best batter, but you're not in this format. And it's very similar to Joe Root, the Joe Root situation in England. Mm. Joe Root made the most runs for England at the last T20 World Cup, but the way they pick a specialist side for this is like, we don't have a spot for you. So we're sorry. You might be Mm. the most informed batter in the world in test cricket, but we can't find a spot for you here. And that's probably how ruthless our selectors need to be. Yeah, I mean, you watch a load of cricket, you know, you know, ball by ball commentary. Um, but you also, a lot of your thoughts, like I do with rugby league, uh, they get shaped by uh, what the greats of the game do say. Mm. So, so when when a, when a Shane Warne has something to say, you listen. When an Ian Healy has something to say, you listen. Likewise, yep. uh, Darren Berry. Do you do you also believe then that, that Steve Smith shouldn't be in our our T Twenty top eleven? I don't know if I'd be willing to go that far. But what I would say is don't bat him with the new ball. Mm. Look to what his strengths have been. He, he's actually quite good against spin. Um, so he's, he's good at guiding an innings through. And that's what you need to do in the later stages. There's, there's three phases to a T20 game, as Chuck Berry says, every night. Your power play is the most important part of it. And that's where you need to have the guys who love the ball coming on. Your, 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 your strike power in the top three is crucial. There's the middle stages where you sort of almost consolidate. And then there's the, the, the third stage where you bring it home. Um, ideally, Steve Smith shouldn't be coming on in that power play to bat. He, he very much should be because his strike rate will tell us, mm. which I think is around the sort of 120 mark, that he's not an explosive player at the format. But if he's played in the right way, then yes, he can make runs. But, but again, not only are we maybe not picking the right side, we're not playing him in the best positions. Mm. And again, that's not my info, and, and people would say, well, you've never coached, you've never played, you're a broadcaster and a commentator. Well, I've got eyes, yeah. and I can look at the numbers and the analytics and the stats to say that coming into this tournament, we've won five out of 18 games, which now is we've won seven um, out of 21 mm. in T20 cricket. Something is wrong. It's not good, is it? Um, and, we're, well, let's be honest, we're probably going to struggle uh, to, to make the, the semi-finals now. Well, we, we, we should, but our net run right now is appalling, so... Um, mm. It's not in our control. We've got to win against um, Bangladesh. Then we've got to beat West Indies. We we should win both of those. But who knows what South Africa will do? And they need to play England still. But England may well have already qualified and might you know just take their foot off the gas. So uh, it's certainly not a given. Um, all right. And, and the other thing too. Uh, this you know, I know it's a T20 pool match, but England the way they have beaten us, they have just um, they've thumped us. And yep. they are gonna they're gonna grow an extra leg, aren't they? I know it's a different format, the Ashes and Test cricket, but you just you just sense that that that's you know, just what the doctor ordered for them. Oh, it's a massive confidence booster. And again, I'll, I'll refer back to, to Darren Berry that we were, during the call he spoke about Owen Morgan uh, as captain, who by the way doesn't play mm. Test cricket for them, but he captains them in this format because he, according to Darren Berry, mm. is the most astute is the most well-researched and statistically prepared, analytically prepared captain in the game. He knows every matchup. He knows every um, stat in terms of this bowler, v, this batter. He's as prepared as anybody and with a game plan that is planned out, you know, to the delivery just about. So you're right. The way in which England beat Australia, they knew what they wanted to do. It, 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 was, an, it was an absolute annihilation in every sense of the word because 
they had a tactic for everybody and they executed it perfectly. Mm. And mate, can I ask you, Sam, finally, uh, David Warner, um, he's been under a fair bit of pressure, hasn't he? Um, very lean with the bat, mm. although he, he got some runs, good runs too, um, at a high strike rate against uh, Sri Lanka, 60-odd, I think it was. Uh, kept the Wolves at bay for, for a little while, but, but again, he's failed to perform. Do you think he is out of sorts? Do you think he will come good? Oh, it's, it's such a tough one, isn't it? Because if you take... Take the things away about Dave Warner that, that you might be critical of and, and put aside Sam Fabergate, put aside some of the behaviour on field and the manner and, and all that kind of stuff. His record is undeniable in this format of the game. I think he's made the fifth... Well, it's actually Finch that's made the fifth most runs ever. Mm. But he's made the second most runs for Australia in T20 cricket, the most at World Cups. Um, he's played more of this format than anyone and it's what launched his career. But in his mid-30s now, it just might be a case of that his eyes not maybe as good as it was, that, that, that his consistency isn't quite as good as it was, his feet maybe don't move mm. like they did. And the 60, if you go back and have a look at it, whilst it is were important runs and there were some good runs in it, he essentially tried to bully his way back into form. Mm. Um, there was probably one, there was three chances that he probably, that, that probably went begging for Sri Lanka to get him out. One in particular, the drop catch down leg side, which would have seen him go for, I think, 18, maybe like... around 18. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's, he's probably, as again, he made runs, and this is a strange one. We've heard it said before, Chris, you know, whether it be Greg Chappell saying, I'm in form, I'm just not making runs. Yeah. Dave Warner made runs, but he's probably not, not in, in form. form, with all due respect. So mm. it's a really tough one. But um, sometimes it just gets to a point where is he at the stage now where he'll dig himself out of a hole, or is it just that time of his career? It's not, I don't ever think it's my place to retire greats of the game. And, he's, and his record tells us that he is. Mm. So... But what I would defer to is is the people who are saying what I'm not seeing are his feet, what I'm not seeing um, are, are his hand eye where it once quite was. So maybe there are just some telltale signs that it just might be um, a little difficult for, for him at the moment. It could be a great career that, that's, that's drawing to a close. I think they'll persist with him, um, but maybe how long probably depends on the next game. I would say. Mm. Well, mate, that is against uh, Bangladesh, isn't it? On Thursday, I think I'm right in saying. Uh, keep up yeah, the good work. Yeah, 9 p.m. Thursday. 9 p.m. Thursday, and we'll be able to hear you and uh, and Chuck Berry as well. Keep up the good work, mate. Enjoying listening to you. And uh, thanks for joining us tonight on Higher Ground. Anytime, Chris. Thanks so much for thinking of me. Really appreciate it. Yes, indeed. It is Higher Ground. And uh, just coming off that advert there, the great Jerry Harvey. I mean, uh, that was Jerry, wasn't it? Looking oh, it was for, Jerry. I believe yeah, yeah, yeah. looking for someone, people to go and live at his, his start. He was on uh, Vossi this morning. They're having trouble because there's no backpackers. Oh, I see. So they're having trouble getting Where's staff that up, the up there in the Hunter. In yeah. I'll tell you what. Um, and what would the job entail? Uh, getting up very early in the morning. Oh, yeah, would, but my uh, shows are nighttime here, generally. <laughs> oh, I see what you're going for there. Whereabouts Go in the Hunter? So it's a couple of hours around Musselbrook or somewhere. Yeah, it would be up there. And I could probably still get down here, muck out the stables at sunrise. <laughs> Have a nap in the middle of the day. Well, Matty White does something like that. He's got horses, hasn't he? Or a horse. He's got a couple of horses. He's out there, in the country somewhere. Yeah, yeah. He, he commutes they're, in. They're not racing, though. Huh. Matty White's horses. He does have no, a share not. in a couple. But no, not the ones that live on his farm. Right. He's not training them. No. Okay. But similar type <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah, got to get up early. Yeah. Okay. It'd be hard um, work. Warren from Blacktown has been in touch. 0457 736 736. Good evening to you, Warren, and to yours. Um, he says, finally got a show to listen to on Melbourne Cup Eve. Well, that's what we are. We're all sport. We're, we're sport and entertainment here, not just rugby league and cricket. 
uh, horse racing, of course. He says uh, his tip is Delphi and also Johnny Get Angry. Backed uh, him, or it would have been backed Johnny Get Angry at 150 to 1. It's firmed into about 50 to 1. So, um, well, good luck, mate. Good luck for you. I hope you I hope you backed it each way. I can tell you that much. Well, he backed it in the pre-norms. He's, uh, yeah, he won't be getting place money for it. No, 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 no. I was just, just going through some stats here. Um, yeah, so what I wanted to know was your system. Because you've said you've narrowed it down to six. Yeah. Which is, uh, well, it's a wide leg in a quaddy. But, you know, I think that's quite respectable to get a, a 24 horse field down to six. Well, I, you know, like most people, I'm guessing... Uh, I'm guessing you don't want to back a $2.50 favourite in a 24-horse field. So, you know, and I asked the question right off the top of the show tonight, do we want incentivised to win or not? And I reckon, yeah, it's a bit ironic, isn't it? It's favourite because you would have thought most people would be on it. But really, I'm probably thinking most people won't want it to win because it's too short. Do you know what I mean? It's not what I've heard from bookmakers this week. I was mm. talking about, there was an article yesterday in uh, the Herald that some bookmakers are talking about blacking out incentivise, yeah. stopping taking because the, yeah. the hold on it is that massive and it's been taken in multis and that sort of thing as well, which ups the payout but just for a, okay, bookmakers yeah, as yeah. well. So it has been heavily backed. But you're right, Chris, it has drifted today. Some A, a lot of the bookies are still laying it. So well, the one question over, and but you know, you look at its Caulfield Cup win, and it won going away. It's, it, it, it's know, a marvel. Drawn sense. wide, ran three wide, pretty much all the way. One going away, running away from them, could have extended its winning margin. What it win by three and a half or four lengths. And they say you know, it's it's the biggest win or best win since Might and Power back in well, when was that ninety seven? Mm. And Might and Power went on to win. Did the cups double? Yeah, so you, you can understand how and why well, it's got such a following. Um, nine straight, yeah. nine straight. Will that uh, will that picket fence uh, fall over t- tomorrow? So, okay. Well, I'll tell you what I've done. Okay, because I yes, I can't so I back a two dollars eighty favorite in a Melbourne Cup. Fair enough. I, I think how many? There's been about one hundred and sixty Melbourne Cups, and roughly ish. And there's been 32 favourites of one. Mm. That's a pretty low percentage. About one in five. Mm. Worse than that, right? Yeah. So what I have done, so a 24-horse field. Now, I'm working out, let's say, which of the other 23 runners can possibly beat Incentivise. So my starting point is this. Because it was such a strong win in the Caulfield Cup, as I said, drawn wide, three deep all the way, won easily. Um, I don't think you can back any horse that also ran in the Caulfield Cup. Any horse? No. There were streets behind it. So this is the this is the cornerstone of my logic. Mm. Any horse other than incentivize, right? Any horse that ran in the Caulfield Cup, mm. they don't go in. They're gone. Okay. Because they can't I beat it. Can't go near it. Yeah. This is this is my logic, and it, it might be, it might have have holes in it, lots of holes, Swiss cheese holes. The logic, 
All right, but that's that's what I'm doing. So, I asked you for your system, so that's okay. Right. This is my system, okay? So here's what I've done. So we're assuming the favourite doesn't win, incentivise, okay? And if you're going to do multis, you, you are going to include it in anyway, yes. right? Or a box trifecta, you will include it. But I'm just trying to find you half a dozen other horses at, at juicier odds yep. that I think could be a chance of, of beating mm-hmm. the odds on favourite, right? So I've narrowed it down to you know, half a dozen or so. And as I said, my rationale may well have Swiss cheese-like holes in it, but let, let me let me go for it here for you. So given the dominance of the Caulfield Cup, we take out all the other runners from the Caulfield Cup that are running tomorrow, right? Uh, they were blown away two weeks ago. So mm. how can they compete now? That's the logic. So that reduces the field by nine other horses, yeah. if I've got it right. So we're down to 15 already, okay? So all the Caulfield Cup runners get the chop, excluding one. Can I guess which is going to be? If you want. Very elegant. Didn't run. Didn't run the Caulfield Cup. No. Sure it didn't run the Caulfield Cup. Check that one. Don't think so. Came in Cox Plate. Cox Plate. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. There you go. Yeah. So you haven't ruled that out. That's a bad guess. No, for I haven't ruled very elegant. <laughs> which is the all. one you've kept in. At all. Which is the one you kept in. Okay. Well, let me get to that. So, you, you following me so far? Yes. And no nine-year-old has ever won the Melbourne Cup. No, that's it. So there goes last year's winner, Twilight Payment. Mm. Gone. Plus it's up two and a half kilos from in weight. Too much. Can't win. Right? So it's gone. So we're narrowing it down further. Number three Spanish mission has to be included. I think was favorite before before the Caulfield Cup. And as a six-year-old, you've got to remember the most number of wins in the past 15 years have been by six-year-olds. Spanish mission is in. Okay? Very elegant. Must go in. Horse of the year. Nine group ones. Strong in the Cox Plate. Chris Waller searching for the elusive Melbourne Cup victory. Mm. To go all out equal, I think, uh, with the number of group one winners. He's on nine. Different winners. Mm. Is that right? I think it is. Yeah. Different horses. James McDonald. Best jockey on the planet right now? Probably. Arguably? Yeah. So Very Elegant is in. So we've got Spanish Mission and we've got Very Elegant. Who else we got? Grand Promenade, number 16. Loves Flemington. There's one three from five there. It comes in off winning the Bart Cummings. Uh, and again, he's a six-year-old. There's that number six again. Um, and keep you, he was carrying 55 kilos mm. to beat... Um, is it Tarly Rose in the Bart Cummings? So it comes back in weight three kilo, three kilos. Mm. Karen McAvoy on board. Three-time winner. Must go in. Grand Promenade. Now, right down the bottom, number 24, Sir Lucan. Now, the, the thing going against Sir Lucan jumps from barrier 18. Mm-hmm. 160 races. Doesn't matter as much in Melbourne Cups. Well, no horse has ever won from Mm. Barrier 18. Ever. Ever. Right? But don't worry about that. I'm not, I don't really No, I'm not worried about that. The thing about Sir Lucan will be at juicy odds too. One of Gay's Waterhouse's two runners. It's a bit of an unknown, lightly raced, but does follow a very similar path to Fiorente. You might have read that article in the paper today. Has only had nine starts. Um, I think has won two or two of the last eight starts. 
the same as Fiorente mm. did back in 2013, I think it was. And again, trained by Gay Waterhouse when she won the Melbourne Cup on Fiorente. It also went into the Melbourne Cup on its Australian debut, mm. just like Fiorente did nine years ago. Carrying no weight at all. Yep. Sir Lucan goes in. So we've got Spanish Mission, very elegant. Grand Promenade and Sir Lucan. And you got one more that did run in the Caulfield Cup. But I'm going to excuse that run. Forget it even ran. Mm. Okay? Its name is the Chosen One. Very juicy odds. 50s and up, I believe. I think it ran fourth in the Melbourne Cup last year. Mm. He's only up half a kilo from last year. Jumps from the same barrier as last year. Barrier five last year. Barrier five is the most successful barrier in 100-odd years. Mm. If, again, you like those things. I'll still keep going. Mm. Six-year-old, entire. Mm. Most successful in the last 15 years have been six-year-olds. I keep going. The average winning weight of the winning horse, the weight carried in the past decade, has been 54 and a half kilo. Carries 54. And he's got D-Lane on board. The chosen one, my friends, comes in. So there you are. Spanish mission, very elegant, grand promenade. The chosen one, Sir Lucan. There are one, two, three, four, five runners. Mm. And, of course, you've got to throw out incentivize. Throw it in, rather. The mm. yeah, In my opinion, the unbackable favourite. I like it. Okay. It's a very good system. Well, it will be Look, shown to be a, a good or a bad system. Tomorrow, yes. There's a few I, I like say, that I that have slipped through there, but that's yeah, right. I know, I know and, and, and everyone's got... Yeah. can say that, and there's mm. a case can be made for most of them. There's probably mm. five of them that shouldn't even turn up. <laughs> well, I, I was just doing that before while you were doing that. I was putting a line through 10 that couldn't win. Yes, okay. I, Have I've you got, got that? Yeah, I've, so Throw, okay. I'll put this on the record. Yes, please. Ocean Billy, can't win. Can't win. Salino, Correct. can't win. Well, what? I heard someone tipping that tonight, but yes, okay. Johnny Get Angry, can't win. Sorry okay. to our texter that has backed it. Can't yes. win. Yes. Night Order, can't win. No, can't. Cariff, please, no, can't win. No. Master of Wine, can't win. No. Nice name. Miami Bound, can't win. No. She's Ideal, can't win. Sorry, I think no. we've got another texture on She's Ideal each way. Oh, no, chosen one each way all day. Oh, Future that... Score, can't win. No. And I'm going right. to put a bit of a, a shorter one in. Mm. I'm going to say Persan, can't win. Yeah. I, I go along with that too. Mm. And most of them... Uh, you would have seen a lot of those horses you just mentioned running the Caulfield Cup. Yeah. So I put a line through all of them. Yeah. And they got you. Know, again, I'm only a hack whacked. punter. Yeah. I'm a hack punter, and I come out of my cave spring carnival time. Mm. And as I said earlier, I spend yeah. the next nine months finding <laughs> the fun tokens. Finding the fun tokens to. I tell you what, I like the full bottom. If I, I'm going to take a yes, a first four tomorrow, the full bottom weights. Nothing stupid I'll, about Charlie that. Charlie Rose, Floating Artist, Great House, Sir Lucan, all have arguments for them. I like all four of them. Mm. 
Mm. I might stick incentivise in there as another one. Keep those texts coming through too. Uh, uh, mad Russian and wah, yes, let's all be pulling for the country miracle that is incentivise. Uh, we can all still have a punt on Knight's order. Uh, very elegant. Or Jack, uh, Charlie Rose. Um, she's ideal. In fact, all of the above. Uh, a lifelong Sydney friend is an owner in Great House. Um as is Sir Winston's grandson. So get on, Bondi Jack. We who did I speak to? I spoke to someone yesterday, actually. Uh, racing, Gee, sorry, Andrew Organs. Yes, yes, racing manager of Great House now. There we go. They're with High Clare. Yes. There we go. Thank you. Yes, very so astute judge too. Yeah. Andrew. Well, he uh, he circled those bottom bottom four. I really like three. the yeah. look of those bottom four weights. All good jockeys. All well trained. And carrying about, lightweights in the Melbourne Cup is always a good thing. That's even better if there's a bit of um, bit of moisture in the, yes. in the pitch. Uh, the chosen one each way all day, boys. The Wombat's listening mm. in from Shell Harbour. He's on the same page as me. Um, and uh, this one, the Timmy, the tall man, still listening is Timmy. He's already, I guess he's already, um, he's already had his second, I don't know, or maybe third. Uh, after listening to Chuck Berry lately, he knows what needs to happen. Should he put his hand up? Um, to coach Tim the Toolman. They're great texts. Keep them coming through 0457 736 736. Or if you want to jump on the open line, you can do that. It's 1300 01 1170. You're listening to Higher Ground. Yes, Higher Ground. That's uh, that's where you're at. Higher Ground. Uh, Chris with you up until midnight. Uh, the Mad Russian is with me as uh, well. We're having a bit of a Melbourne Cup segment uh, right here. We're just talking through the break, actually, me and the Mad Rusky. Um, the pitfalls of race day, and there are can be many. There can be many, particularly at Melbourne Cup Day uh, and any other carnival in the spring carnival, that is. It's a long day, and, uh, and you might want to text in about this too. What are some of the pitfalls? I mean, mm. you've got 10 races at Flemington. You've got nine, I think, at Royal Randwick as well. Yep. So most of us, if we're going to a Melbourne Cup function tomorrow, if you're not working, and uh, it should be a public holiday, that's an argument for another day as well. But how do you pace yourself? A, um, pacing yourself with this stuff, right? You've got to be responsible. So you've got to pace yourself that way. And you've also got to pace yourself with this stuff as well. Because come 3 o'clock, race 7, the big one, there, there might not be anything left in the wallet. Do you know what I mean? You, just got to you can't have a bet in every race. No, you can't. And your stake has got to be small. But I want to. Yeah, you I know, know you, you want, want but to. you've got to resist that temptation. It's like you want to go out and get I'm, smashed on a Tuesday, but you have to no. resist that temptation. Yeah. You're going to be at the pub tomorrow? Yes. Okay, so you've got to be, it's got to be pace yourself. It's got to be drink a little less than you would to normally to start. Well, it's got I, to be gamble well, I might a little go less on, and, and than you would to start. man mightn't like this. I might go on the shandies. <laughs> What's wrong with the shandies? <laughs> hey? Tooley doesn't like me having the shandies. Just have a, a just have a midi or something. Just ease oh, I'll yourself go further. into that. I'll have a seven ounce. I'll have a seven ounce shandy. There you go. You don't even you've never seen a seven ounce, have you? My granddad no, used to it, uh, drink just, out of them. Seven ounce, half yeah, probably half a me. half a pot. Well, not quite. Maybe the half a skewy actually. The old seven ounce if they oh. still uh, make them. Goodness so pace me. yourself, and maybe have one and then a water. But the trouble is, right? Come. Race seven, Melbourne mm. Cup. If you've had a, yeah, you know, if you've had a few brewskis, right along the way, well then you're you tend. Correct me if I'm wrong. You tend to shell out more of this. 
than you probably should have done if you hadn't had brewskis. So they work hand in hand, and there are many, many pitfalls, aren't there? Many, many pitfalls uh, in racing. Hello, Chris, and uh, the – what was that echo in my ear? The mad Russian. Love, love is both. Just letting you know, I do like uh, the Russians. Uh, Kostya Zhu, um, Safin, or Marit Safin, I guess, Maria Sharapova, um, and Daniel Medvedev. Not so sure about Putin, though. Uh, only if the mad Russian no, likes him. No, I couldn't agree more <laughs> with you there, Texter. Who is your favourite uh, Russian sports person, mad Russian? Oh, put me on the spot there. Yelena Isambayeva, the pole vaulter, was superb at her sport. Yes, That's okay. one from left field. She was quite handy on the... On the pole? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She was yeah. terrific. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that was the first one that came on me. And Andre Rublev, another very good tennis player at the moment. Enjoy watching him. Is it also true Russian women always have to add an A at the end of their last names? Uh, why is this Why is this so? Uh, it's generally so. I think it's just cultural practice. I, I couldn't tell you. No, Sorry, the, the Christian name. The yeah. Christian names, they, they do, don't they? The, yeah, the, yeah. the ladies, the females add an A. They um, add an A. So if I'm Molchanov, mm. the female would be Molchanova. And what about the Christian name, though? Well, that's I think whatever. they do that, don't they? I don't think so. I don't think uh, that's the same Okay. Well, well, you should know. You're Russian. Oh, no. I couldn't tell You're you. You're half that. Russian. Sorry, Texter. You're half Russian. And my point is, don't go Russian into things tomorrow. Yes. Take your Good time. Point. Take your time. And I think very elegant. This has got nothing to do with Russian. Uh, we'll win the Melbourne Cup tomorrow. Sneaky favourite. And uh, we'll win. Who's that from there? Came from there. That's Eric. Eric. I hope you, uh, I hope you have a, a good day tomorrow, Eric. Well, on the Russian theme, here's a trivia question for you. Mm. What Australian sporting event did Russia win in 1946? I'll ask you the question again. What Australian sporting event did Russia win in 1946? It wouldn't happen to be the Melbourne Cup. Would it? Russia was a horse and won the Melbourne <laughs> Cup. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Very good. Wartime Cup too. Yes. Russia in 46. There you go. No bloody shandies on Cup Day. Wah. Un-Australian. <laughs> He's too right. Timmy the tool, man. Okay. Well, I will. I will. I'll just have a lager top. Incentivize out to $4.10 on the tab TAB tote. No. That'll, that'll come in, Timmy. Yeah. That'll come right back in. Yeah. Uh, We're still talking Melbourne Cup, aren't we? Mm. We're still talking Melbourne Cup. Um, We should have probably done a sweepstakes. It's too late to start thinking about these things uh, on the run. One of the uh, the horses that everyone seems to like um, is Grand Promenade. Karen McAvoy knows exactly how to win Group 1s, knows how to win Melbourne Cups. Uh, Let's hear from uh, Karen McAvoy. Still excited with um, this horse and his chances. I think... um you know, what appeals to me is his Flemington record. He's, he's got a love for Flemington and, um, you know, five starts for three wins in a second. And some of those wins at Flemington were, were really quite soft. Um, obviously, he's, you know, he's meeting a, <laughs> a couple of stronger key opposition members on, on Saturday. Uh, sorry, on Tuesday. But um, you'd, you'd be confident that he can run the trip. Obviously, I've got to give him the right ride. So, you know, going out with a bit of an open mind as to where we, we, we position, you know, he's shown nice toe from the barriers to, to take prominent spots, um, you know, in his most recent staying runs. Yeah. It's um, a case of just trying to offset that barrier and, and, and riding the race as it unfolds, and, and hopefully I can do that to perfection. 
Grand Promenade. Loves, as I said earlier, loves Flemington has won three of, of five starts there um, and comes in off winning the, the Bart Cummings. So a six-year-old, there's a lot that stacks up for Grand Promenade. So that's why it's it's probably on, I think, about the third line of uh, betting. I'm just reading this here by James McDonald. Uh, this was written this evening. Uh, and it is on uh, racing.com uh, website, or the app that I've got here. He's just going on to say um, he hasn't won a Melbourne Cup yet, but he has had a, a bit of luck in the race. So he finished second on Fiorente in 2012, then third in 2016 on Hartnell. He says they're hard to win, but very elegant is definitely one of my best ever chances. He says he galloped her yet on Saturday, and she's absolutely humdinging. Uh, dead set, whether she's a Melbourne Cup winner or not, she's going to run so well it's not funny. Seriously, I haven't felt her work as good. I'm telling you, she is going great. Very elegant. Trained by Chris Waller, uh, 57 kg. That's the only thing. Can She's only a small horse. Uh, five-year-old mare, I think she's in. She, um, can she carry the, uh, the impost? The impost, as they, they like to say in the racing uh, game. On the second line of betting uh, is Spanish Mission. And before Incentivise romped home in the Caulfield Cup, Spanish Mission was, I believe, on the first line of betting. And uh, it is ridden by Craig Williams. After having a sit on him yesterday, I uh, couldn't be more, more happy, even though I didn't uh, get to, to work in fast. But just um, it just gave me a little bit more of an understanding to, to his mannerisms and uh, his personality, which is he's pretty easy for a jockey, actually. So um, he, he brings that same attitude and uh, feeling and the way that uh, he, he went around the track yesterday. They try and switch him off at the start. So usually it's an indication that they don't want him to get too aggressive and too competitive too early, especially in Europe where there's a lot of undulating tracks. Yeah. So it's all about having him to relax. So that was one of my concerns, always found himself back in the field. And then after... Uh, and then after having a sit on him, I realised that, no, it's not the case. And speaking to his trainer, Andrew Balding, last night, that was a question I posed to him. He said, no, that we just rode him like that because of the opposition, the way that races were ran. He's, we think he's quite brilliant and he feels like he travels and he's got an acceleration. And that's exactly what he felt like yesterday. Yeah, Craig Williams is on board um, Spanish Mission. So again, another six-year-old. Mm. And, and they are the ones in the past decade or so. It's been the, the six-year-olds. And, and over the 130 or 150 years, uh, four- and five-year-olds have, have won the most. Mm. But in the last decade or so, it's been six-year-olds. I uh, said earlier, one outsider I'd like to include is Sir Lucan. It's the bottom weight, number 24, carrying 50 kg. Gay Waterhouse uh, with Adrian Bott, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They're both teamed up, haven't they? So she won... Um, um, the Melbourne Cup back in 2013 with Fiorente. Now, this horse uh, follows a very, very similar pattern to Fiorente. Let's listen to, uh, listen to Gay. Well, look, he's lovely. He's an exceedingly talented, very, very natural, um, uh, fluid horse. He's a very, very talented horse. And Glenn Boss, when he rode him yesterday, said there are so many things about him. You know, you've got to remember Glenn's only sat on him once, but he said there are so many things about him that remind me of Sir Dragonese. He came here a fit horse, so you've been able to maintain that, obviously. And when he arrived at Werribee, he was, well, you wouldn't be happy with him going to the Cup. He couldn't have gone to the Cup. So it's been an absolute blessing uh, that we've had the time we've had to, to, to get him to put this condition on and, and you know, the sun on his back. And he, he's just thrived, absolutely yeah. thrived. 
Gay Waterhouse there. Um, yeah, so she's got a couple of runners. Uh, that bottom one, I don't mind it. Sir Lucan, mm. um, not a lot known about it. Only had nine starts, making uh, its Australian debut in the race that stops the nation. Bossy riding it. He knows how to win, doesn't he, Glenn mm, Boss? So, the big ones. Uh, there you are. Look, I hope we may have sort of helped you out there. If you are, weren't sure where you might be throwing your hard-earned, uh, we do encourage you, if you are going to have a bit of a flutter, to do so responsibly. Set yourself a limit. But above all else, and Toolman will attest to this, if you are enjoying a shandy or two, have a great day. Yeah, welcome back to Higher Ground. Uh, still November 1, um, and that means that there are a stack of players uh, all able to negotiate new deals with their current club or with a, a new club. Mm-hmm. Um, they come off contract at the end of next season, so they are fair game. Uh, we heard there from Peter Mulholland, so I spoke to him uh, yesterday on Sports Central and just thought we'd replay that interview because a lot of what he says is, is really quite interesting. And he's been around the game for so, so mm-hmm. long, so it's always good to be in a, a fortunate position, I guess, that I am, um, being able to pick his brains like that. Um, and, and he talked about cornerstone players. He talked about marquee players, and they are oftentimes um, two different things. So we've got list in front of us, Mad Russian. We do. Okay, of all the clubs and all the players coming off contract at the end of next season. So all of these players, there's about 150 or more of them, are fair game. So they, as of today, can start negotiating new deals, as we've seen already Um We've seen Cody Walker. He's already penned a new deal. That's with his existing club, but could have actually penned a new deal elsewhere. Elsewhere. With the Dolphins, for example. Mm. So what I'll say to you, I want you now, give me top five. Your top five players on this open market. These players are contracted for next year, but they are able to wheel and deal. Now, they're free agents, really, for the 2023 season. But you have to only... Pick one player per club. So, for example, you can't raid Melbourne Storm. So you can't have Brandon Smith and Christian Welch and Felice mm. Kafusi and Jesse Bromwich. You can only pick one of them because Melbourne have got so many coming off contract. Mm. Yeah? So you picked I'll, – I'll go through mine and you. Well, I'll give you a bit of time here to look at yours. Okay. And I've gone for clubs – I'm picking mine from the clubs that finished at the top of the ladder. I thought that was my way to go. Well, with the exception of one maybe from West Tigers. All mm. right. So, uh, from Parramatta, I'm taking Isaiah Papali'i. From Penrith, I'm taking Apisai Coruscant. From the Rabbitohs, I'm not taking anyone. And there aren't, there's not any on the list there. There's six or seven players yeah. on that list that don't really interest me too much, which tells me also that they've signed all the good ones up. Mm. Well, oh, Probably shouldn't put that way. Retain some, them. Retain. There's some really good players on here. Mm. Um, Michael Cheapcam, Josh Mansour, Anthony Milford, but none of them are really doing it for me. Uh, from the Roosters, well, they've got the likes of Angus Crichton, Lockie Lamb, Freddie Lussick, Adam Kieran, Siwataki Aho, uh, and Joseph Manu. I'm taking Joey Manu from the Roosters. So I've got Isaiah Papali'i, Apisai Corusau, Joey Manu, from West Tigers, I'm going to pull Luciano Leilua from them. Okay, I think he's got a, a lot of upside in him still to come. Only young back rower, Luciano. So there's four. And I'm going to take one from Melbourne Storm. I'm going to take their prop, Christian Welch. Papali, Coruscant, Manu, Luciano Leilua, not his bro, and Christian Welch are my five.
What if I told you I only picked one different? True. Completely into, completely before I even knew what you'd picked. So I Fair went. Thing. And I yeah. bet I know what it is. The one that I haven't picked. Yeah. Yeah. Coruscant. No. Oh, okay. You'd be wrong. Right. I've definitely Go. picked Appy. Uh-huh. So I've gone Papali, Coruscant, <laughs> Luciano. I really True. I really like Luciano. I think he's a terrific player. There's 160 players on this list. And I think if he was... And you've come up with the same four or five as I have. Well, I think if he was put in the right system, he's 100% one of the top five players on the market. Okay. Um, I've gone Christian Welch as well, and I've I've not gone Joey Manu. I've okay. gone one of his teammates from the Roosters. Oh, gone, have you? I've gone Angus Cry. Yeah, Angus. I reckon a, an origin second rower. Yeah. They don't come around every day. No. Trouble is, there's a few good a second cons- rowers. And a consistent one at that. Angus has been, I reckon, one of the top five good second, second rowers in the game for the last two or three years, which I don't think happens too often. Yeah. Good second rowers around, though. Felice Kafusi at Melbourne as yeah. well. Yeah. Isaiah Papali, Viliami Kikau. Luciana Leilua, quite a few, aren't there? Edge runners. Mm. All right. Um, yeah, have we missed okay. anyone? Well, I'm sure we have, but we can't have everyone. You can't please everyone all the time. Text us. Text us, yeah. 0457 736 736 is the text line. This is Higher Ground. Well, that just about does it for me and the Mad Russian as well. It's been a jam-packed show. I hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, we'll do it again for you. Well, won't be on Wednesday, but I'll be back on deck on Friday. But uh, if you are having a punt tomorrow, do so responsibly. I hope you're back a winner. Until next time, take care, keep smiling. Bye for now.